Hare Krishna, welcome everybody. Thursday Srimad Bhagavatam class. Y'all look very familiar. Have we met before? Oh, wonderful. So you're passing through from Arkansas? Oh, great. Wonderful. Oh, wonderful. So, what a great idea to stop off and see Sri Sri Radhakalachanji. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So they do allow that. You just walk through quick and get darshan. That's nice. Wow. Where in Arkansas do y'all live? Okay, so near the university? Is that? Yeah, cool. My niece goes there. Yeah, I haven't been there yet, though. I need to visit. <laughs> yeah, she got a good deal to go from Texas. Arkansas cut her a good deal to go to school there. She's in nursing. Do you know what you want to be when you grow up? Or a chef. Oh, wonderful. That's wonderful. You can do all those things for Krishna. That's really nice. Well, I hope you get to do one of those three or maybe all three, right? <laughs> That's really nice. Well, welcome. We're glad you're here. Thanks for stopping by. Sorry to put you on the spot. <laughs> but we're so happy you came. Hi, Krishna. And you got to have some Guru Puja and Kirtan. That's really nice. The devotees come together and do that. Despite COVID, we try to take some precautions, so we wear masks. And we rely on Krishna though, right? We really, we're really, uh, indebted to Him and we really rely on Krishna for everything. And everything is His will, His mercy. So we'll chant a little bit and then we'll talk, we'll read from the Bhagavatam and talk a little bit about it. <clears throat> Kunja Bihari Jayorada Madhava Kunja Bihari Jaya Gopi Janavalava Girivada Dari Jaya Gopi Janavalava Girivada Dari Ashoranandana Braja Janaranjana Ashoranandana Braja Janaranjana Ashoranandana 
Yamuna Kiravanachari Yamuna Kiravanachari Jaya Radha Madhava Punjabi Hari Jaya Radha Madhava Kunjabi Hari Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna Hare Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Haribo. Prabhupada, 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 Jaya Jaya, Prabhupada. Jaya Jaya, Gurudev, 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 Jaya Jaya, Gurudev. Nittagora Premanandi. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Reading from the Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 1, Chapter 12, Text Number 23 Pita Maha Sama Samye Prashade Girisho Pamaha Ashrayaha Sarva Bhutanam Yata Devo Ramashrayaha Pitamaha Same Samye Prasade Girisho Pamaha Asrayaha Sarva Bhutanam Yato Devoram Asrayaha Pitamaha Same Samye Prasade Giro Sop 
Upamaha Asriya Sarvabhutana Yata Devo Ramashraya Please repeat. Itamaha Samasame Pitamaha. You want to, you can repeat the words word for word. Pitamaha. The grandfather or Brahma. Sama. Equally good. Samye. In the matter. Prasade. In charity or in munificence. Girisa. Lord Shiva. Upamaha. Comparison of equilibrium. Ashrayaha. Resort. Sarva. All. Bhutanam. Of the living beings. Yata. As. Devaha. The Supreme Lord. Rama Ashraya, the personality of Godhead. Translation and purport by His Divine Grace, Shila A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami, Shila Prabhupada Ki. Translation. This child will be like his grandfather, Yudhisthira, or Brahma, in equanimity of mind. He will be munificent like the Lord of the Kailash Hill, Shiva. And he will be the resort of everyone, like the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Narayan, who is even the shelter of the goddess of fortune. Please repeat. This child will be like his grandfather, Yudhisthira or Brahma, in equanimity of mind. He will be munificent like the Lord of the Kailash Hill, Shiva. He will be the resort of everyone, like the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Narayan, who is even the shelter of the Goddess of Fortune. This child will be like his grandfather, Yudhisthira, or Brahma, in equanimity of mind. He will be munificent like the lord of the Kailash hill, Shiva. He will be the resort of everyone, like the supreme personality of Godhead, Narayan, who is even the shelter of the goddess of fortune. Purport. Mental equanimity refers both to Maharaj Yudhisthira and to Brahma the grandfather of all living beings. According to Sridhar Sridhar Swami, the grandfather referred to is Brahma. But according to Vishwanath Chakravarti, the grandfather is Maharaj Yudhisthira himself. But in both cases, the comparison is equally good because both of them are recognized representatives of the Supreme Lord. And thus, both of them have to maintain mental equanimity, being engaged in welfare work for the living being. Any responsible executive agent at the top of administration 
has to tolerate different types of onslaughts from the very persons for whom he works. Brahmaji was criticized even by the gopis, the, high, the highest perfectional devotees of the Lord. The gopis were dissatisfied with the work of Brahma, Brahmaji because Lord Brahma, as creator of this particular universe, created eyelids which obstructed their seeing Lord Krishna. They could not tolerate a moment's blinking of the eyes for it kept them from seeing their beloved Lord Krishna. So what to speak of others who are naturally very critical of every action of a responsible man? Similarly, Maharaj Yudhisthira had to cross over many difficult situations created by his enemies, and he proved to be the most perfect maintainer of mental equanimity in all critical circumstances. Therefore, the example of both grandfathers for maintaining equanimity of mind is quite fitting. Lord Shiva is a celebrated demigod who awards gifts to beggars. His name is therefore Ashutosha, or one who is pleased very easily. He is also called the Bhutanatha, or the Lord of the common folk, who are mainly attached to him because of his munificent gifts, even without consideration of the after-effects. Ravana was very attached to Lord Shiva, and by easily pleasing him, Ravana became so powerful that he wanted to challenge the authority of Lord Ram. Of course, Ravana was never helped by Lord Shiva when he fought with Ram, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, and the Lord of Lord Shiva. To Vrikrasura, Lord Shiva awarded the benediction, which was not only awkward, but also disturbing. Vrikrasura became empowered by the grace of Lord Shiva to vanish anyone's head simply by touching it. Although this was awarded by Lord Shiva, the cunning fellow wanted to make an experiment of the power by touching the head of Lord Shiva. Thus the Lord had to take shelter of Vishnu to save himself from trouble. And the Lord Vishnu, by his illusory potency, asked Vikrasura to make an experiment with his own head. The fellow did it and was, and was finished himself. And so the world was saved from all sorts of trouble by such a cunning beggar of the demigods. The excellent point is that Lord Shiva never denies anyone any sort of gift. He is therefore the most generous. Although sometimes some kind of a mistake is made. Ram means the goddess of fortune. Excuse me. Rama means the goddess of fortune. And her shelter is Lord Vishnu. Lord Vishnu is the maintainer of all living beings. There are innumerable living beings, not only on the surface of this planet, but also in all other hundreds of thousands of planets. All of them are provided with, provided with all necessities of life for the progressive march towards the end of self-realization. But on the path of sense gratification, they are put into difficulty by the agency of maya, the illusory energy, and so travel the path of a false plan of economic development. 
Such economic development is never successful because it is illusory. These men are always after the mercy of the illusory goddess of fortune, but they do not know that the goddess of fortune can live only under the protection of Vishnu. Without Vishnu, the goddess of fortune is an illusion. We should therefore seek the protection of Vishnu instead of directly seeking the protection of the goddess of fortune. Only Vishnu and the devotees of Vishnu can give protection to all. And because Maharaj Pariksit was himself protected by Vishnu, it was quite possible for him to give complete protection to all who wanted to live under his rule. Omagana Timrandasya Janan Janan Salakaya Chakshu and Militam Jaina Tasma Shri Guruvena Maha Shri Chaitanya Vinobisam Shapitam Jaina Bhutale Swayam Rupa Kadamayam Didanti Svapadantikam. I was born in the darkest ignorance and my spiritual master is opening my eyes with the torchlight of knowledge. I offer my humble obeisances under the dust of his lotus feet. Namo Vishnu Padaya Krishna Prestaya Bhutale Shimati Tamal Krishna Goswami Niti Namani Namo Om Vishnu Padaya Krishna Prestaya Bhutale Shimati Bhakti Vedanta Swaminiti Namani Namaste Saraswati Deve Gauravani Pacharani Nirvisesha Sunyavari Pashkatadesha Tarine Vanchakopaturu Vaischa Kripasindivis Evacha Patitanam Pavanebio Vaishnavebio Namo Namaha Jai Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhunityananda Shri Raita Gadadha Shivasari Gaura Bhakta Vrinda Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. So we're reading from the wonderful Srimad Bhagavatam, the spotless Purana, the literary incarnation of God Himself. This is the literary incarnate, the book incarnation of Krishna Himself. Wow. It has arisen in this dark age of Kali to give light. So it's giving light. It's dispelling the darkness in our minds and in our hearts. And it's telling us today, we're reading about the birth of Emperor Pariksit. The Srimad Bhagavatam, the whole Srimad Bhagavatam was spoken for the benefit of Pariksit Maharaj. But was it just for his benefit? No, it was the benefit for all of us, right? Because... Back in those days, it was oral tradition, right? And someone could hear something and remember it completely their whole life. Isn't that amazing? So we can't do that in this age, right? So they had to make printing presses for the Kali Yuga folks. And so they say, so they wrote down, who, do you know, anybody know who wrote down the Srimad Bhagavatam? And the other, uh, scriptures, the other Vedas? Say it louder. Vyasadeva, right. Vyasadeva wrote it down. It was uh, dictated by him and it was with uh, Ganesh actually wrote it, right? He sat there and wrote it down. So Vyasadeva, Vyasadeva is an incarnation of Krishna, an empowered personality. Krishna, an expansion of Krishna to, to give us the Vedas and... Uh, the Vedas were written, the, the four main Vedas. And Vyasadeva was dissatisfied, right? He wasn't happy. He'd just written all this amazing, uh, the Vedas about how to 
manipulate the world and live a religious life and be spiritual. And so he went to his Gumaraj, who happened to be Narada Muni. And Narada Muni told him, the reason you're not happy is why? Yeah, you haven't talked about Krishna yet. <laughs> Write about Krishna and you'll be happier. You know, that's what, that's what the point of all the Vedas are. To get you to the point of saying, who is God? Is He a person? Is He a feeling? Is He just white light? Is He just the creator of the material universe? Is He, is, is He, is, who is God, right? There's so many questions that everybody has. And so, it's so important to get the answers of authorities, right? And the authorities tell us who is God? How can we know God? How can we understand God? And it's this principle of becoming a disciple, right? Entering under dis discipline to understand difficult topics, right? We've all been to school. Does everybody like school? Do you like school? Sort of, right? <laughs> When it's PE time or fun classes or art class, you know. There's harder classes though. The hardest class of all is about Krishna, right? Why? Why does Krishna make it so hard on us? Why doesn't He just make it clear? Why doesn't He just appear? Why do you think we have to, to go through all this? So we will get better ourselves. <laughs> Krishna doesn't do it for us. He does do something really amazing though. What's the most important thing He does that helps us? Besides the Scriptures. He appears as the spiritual master. Isn't that amazing? Well, wait a minute. Prabhupada isn't God, is He? How can He appear as the spiritual master? What does that mean? It means that Krishna empowers someone to be the guru, to be the teacher, to be the instructor. And if that person is purified, completely purified, then they're qualified, right, to give Krishna consciousness. So that's why we're reading the Srimad Bhagavatam. This is the first canto. It's thick. It's a thick book, right? Some people see a thick book. So I don't want to read that. That's too thick. Are there any pictures in it? Yeah, there's some pictures, but it's only about 10 pages. Prabhupada picture, Guru Parampara picture, Gornitai picture, Panchatattva picture, and then all the pictures, there's many pictures of the pastimes of what happens in the books. So they're beautiful, beautiful paintings that the devotees did on Prabhupada's request. And so it's so beautiful. So when Prabhupada started out, he, he, he wanted to fulfill the order of his spiritual master, which was to come to the West and preach, right? So Prabhupada didn't want to come just him, right? He wanted some books to bring. Because he knew the books, he could speak through the books. And Krishna would speak through him and speak through the books. So he, he translated some parts of the first canto, right? and came up with three volumes. And very difficult process to get those things printed in Delhi. And he would write in Vrindavan. He would go to Delhi and get it printed and approve the proofs. He had, to, he, had to, he had to solicit funds to do it. 
And finally, he was able to print up the Shrimad Bhagavatam in three three volumes, and 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 what fifty, maybe sixty, eighty copies of each, and brought it to America when he came. And he suffered so much. Nineteen sixty-five. There was intercontinental jet travel, right? You could get on a jet and fly. But how did Prabhupada come here? On a boat. (laughs) And he had to go around the bottom of India and go up and go into the canal, go into the Mediterranean and come out the Atlantic. This was a cargo ship, but it wasn't a real big cargo ship, right? What does that mean? Have you been on a boat? Yeah, was it, did it move a lot in the water? Did it stay flat? Stayed flat, yeah. But you probably weren't on the Atlantic Ocean, right? Can you imagine being on the Atlantic Ocean, how big the swells are? You lose the sky, right? <laughs> the boat's down here and the, the waves are up there and they move slowly, you know, they don't tip the boat over, but you lose the horizon, you can't see it. So Prabhupada suffered seasickness, illness, heart attacks. And and Krishna came to him and said, don't worry, I'm going to help you get there. And they had the, the smoothest Atlantic crossing that the ship's captain had ever seen. He never saw the Atlantic smoother. <laughs> so Prabhupada gets here. He gives us the Srimad Bhagavatam. And we need someone like Prabhupada to understand the Bhagavatam. We could just read the verses, right? But would we understand it? How many, how many of y'all read the Bhagavad Gita before you came to ISKCON? Yeah, I read it too. I didn't understand it. Did you understand it? There was some flowery language, poetics, you know, especially the, the twelfth chapter on devotion, or is that the tenth? Uh oh. And there were parts of it that were very interesting, right? Very flowery language is beautiful. And it is. It's beautiful. But the flowery, looking at it in flowery, the flowery language of it for philosophical purposes, you don't get what it's really for, right? You just think it's poetical or it's, and you can't understand it because like there's this thing about the field and the knower of the field. What is that? I mean, that's hard to understand if you just read it. If you just read the Gita, anyone's translation, you won't understand Bhagavad Gita truly unless you read it with an explanation, the purports of an advanced devotee. Then you can understand what it means. Uh, Umapati Maharaj told us one time, he said, when we were we were young people in the 60s, he was one of Prabhupada's first disciples. He said, we had Bhagavad Gita, but we never understood it until we got Prabhupada's Bhagavad Gita. So, let's talk about what is Prabhupada explaining here in this verse. This is the birth of Emperor Pariksit. And that's a really uh, celebrated thing, huh? When you get a child and a child comes into your home, and when your parents had you, they were so excited. They've got a child. I have a daughter. She's about your age. How old are you? Eight. My daughter's 11. And it's so amazing to, to be a family man. It's such, such a, a, a great, great blessing. And so many good things come because you have to do your duty, right? And part of our duty is to take care of our family. But we also have to take care of ourselves, 
And that duty means to chant Hare Krishna and read the Bhagavatam. Read the Bhagavad Gita. So the Bhagavad Gita and the or the Srimad Bhagavatam is full of the pastimes of Krishna and Krishna's devotees and Krishna's friends and all the people that surrounded Krishna while he would do these pastimes. There's the battle of Kurukshetra. There's the warriors. There's the children of the warriors. So this is the grandson. This is the son of one of the warriors, right? Pariksit is the son of Abhimanyu. Abhimanyu was slaughtered mercilessly in the battle of Kurukshetra in a very unfair battle, right? So that, that, uh, horrible circumstance was, uh, eradicated by the victory of the Pandavas. So the Pandavas, uh, Uttara had, um, Pariksit in her womb. And Ashvatthama was envious and jealous, thought, oh, I'm gonna stop this, this, this dynasty. And he sent a Brahmastra, right, to kill Pariksit. And we know that it actually killed Pariksit. But Krishna was there and said, brought him back to life. And, and Pariksit got to see Krishna, right? And right away, Krishna disappeared. And so Pariksit was like, oh, can you imagine if you could actually see Krishna one time and then he went away? Oh, you would be forlorn, right? Who else did that happen to? Narada Muni? Right, exactly. Narada Muni saw Krishna in his, in, and Krishna appeared to him and then he disappeared and Narada, and then he, then he came by a voice and said, I won't appear to you like this again, but I want you to be a devotee, right? And he became Narada Muni. Thank you. I didn't think of Narada Muni. I was thinking of Dhruva. Dhruva did the, did the tapasya, right? Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Do you think you could do that? Would you move away from your parents and go in the forest and just live there and say, I'm going to find God right now? Right? Dhruva was so upset because he'd been offended. He was an heir to the throne. He was a prince. And one of his aunties had insulted him so badly, so he became so angry. Like a Kshatriya, right? Like a warrior. Even as a little boy, he already had that, that, that nature. So he said, I'm, I'm a, so if I can't have this, I want something better. How do I get it? <laughs> you go to God. <laughs> and it's interesting. He didn't go to the demigods, right? He got good advice. Don't go to the demigods to get their the boons that they can give you because they're illusory. They don't really last. And we'll talk about Lord Shiva. Lord Shiva is one of the chief demigods and Lord Brahma. So this is a, a, a beautiful purport explaining the situation. And so very similar, isn't it? And how um, the devotee who is yearning for Krishna, even if he's yearning for God or if, even if we go to God for the wrong reason, like we want wealth, or we want an emperor, or we want an empire, or we want to be master of a universe. Can can we have that? Do you want to be a master of a universe? No. Better just a singer, a chef, and what was the third one? Fashion designer. Yeah. All of those things can be fulfilled if you go to Krishna and you ask for him. Because you have some karma, right? Your karma is to be a certain thing in your life. And you will get that. That will happen. It may be one of those three things. But if it's not, we want to go to Krishna. We want to say, Krishna, please help me to achieve this. And if you do, 
I'll be your, I'll be your, I'll be your servant, right? I'll be your devotee. So it's a little bit mixed up right now. We want things and, and it's good to want those things because you want to live a nice life for Krishna. But the great thing about going to Krishna is he purifies your, the, the, the part of it that's not pure, right? To the extent that we just want enjoyment along with a family or a job, Krishna purifies us of, of the, of the part of it that's just uh, selfish, right? And so we get those things, but we get them in such a way that Krishna purifies us of the desire for those things. And so we still have those things, but we learn to use them in Krishna's service, right? Yukta vairagya. We all use the vehicle to get here, right? I walked across the street. <laughs> I get to live here. I'm very fortunate. Others, you drove here. That car was used in Krishna's service because you used it to get here, drive here, look at the deities, chant Hare Krishna, have to listen to me. Sorry, I'm going on and on. But it's, 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 it's using what you have in Krishna's service. And so that's the trick. Just do that with more of the things in your life. Uh, wait a minute. You know, how do I get along with my spouse? <laughs> you know, that's not easy, right? You can do that for Krishna too. You give, you, you give up the sense of like arguing for what you think is so right. And then when the, uh, when you give up a little bit, the other person goes, Oh wow. They're giving up that position. They're giving up a little bit and they're agreeing with me to some extent. Then that person comes closer, right? Then they give up a little bit of what they thought they wanted. Because 99% of the time, right, what we think we want or think we need is probably wrong, isn't it? Or it could be adjusted. Or if you listen to somebody else, wow, that makes sense, you know? Like, I think the house should be this way. Or I think I need to do this about this. But if you listen to other people, then it's like you get a better consensus of what it is to do. So, let's get back to the text. The child... Pariksit will be like his grandfather, Yudhisthira, or Brahma, in equanimity of mind. What does equanimity of mind mean? Very, very settled, right? Very, very magnanimous, very, very calm. Do we see that in our world leaders? Not so much, right? Not so much. So, when someone has equanimity of mind, oh my gosh, they're so amazing. It's such amazing to see somebody like that. And, and Prabhupada points out that the comparison is to Yudhisthira and to Lord Brahma. And Vishwanath Chakravarti says that, that it's, that he's referring to Yudhisthira. And Sridhar Swami says he's referring to Brahma. So that's interesting. The Acharyas have a little bit different examples they gave, but Prabhupada said it doesn't matter. The examples are the same. Any, um, both of them have to maintain maintain mental equanimity, being engaged in welfare work for the living being. Any responsible executive agent at the top of administration has to tolerate the different types of onslaughts from the very persons for, persons for whom he works. Is that not exactly applicable to being a family person, right? To having children. If you're the head of a household, you got to tolerate, Right? Kids don't always behave. There's always difficulties. You got a job at work. You got, you come to the temple. You're dealing with devotees. It's a constant struggle to maintain equanimity of mind. But the responsible executive agent 
must do this. And we're, we are executive agents at all different, there's, there, there, there's all different levels of these persons that are in charge of things. And you, you, we've got to follow the example of Maharaj Yudhisthira and Lord Brahma. They, they, they never get upset. They never got angry. Uh, Yudhisthira is like unbelievable, the things he had to go through, right? But he never got angry. He never was upset. He never cursed anyone. He, he would never tell a lie. He would never do anything wrong. And so this is the kind of person, when we have this person as a leader, everything in the world becomes wonderful because they want to take care of everyone in the world, and they do. So um, their enemies are overcome by love. You know, no one is angry at Eudistir. Well, You know, the, the core of us were, and they got vanquished, right? But people who are under him, they see how wonderful the leader is, and they want to naturally serve him, right? And, and, and garden and farm and, and do business and do whatever they do. When you have a wonderful leader, it becomes wonderful to do your service because you're doing it for the society and the leader. My daughter and I were watching a program the other night on the pyramids, on how they built the pyramids. And they showed some guys in little, you know, uh, lungy things wrapped around there and they were, no shirts, and they were they had giant ropes, and they were pulling the the giant blocks that were used to build the pyramid. Right? I didn't even think they had any wheels under it. It was really silly, and we started to laugh because and and I thought about it. I said, "Wait a minute! How did they really move these stones?" In Eudistir's time, when he was the emperor of the world, what was the name of his city? Hastinapur. Pura means city. Hastina means elephant. This was a military city. Hastinapur was with a base of the Pandavas military forces. That means millions of elephants, right? Thousands and thousands of elephants. Who built the pyramids? Men using elephants. <laughs> Did they have wheels then? Of course. So they had wheels and they would have put these things on to wheeled carts, carriages, and moved them, just like we do today. We have 18-wheelers. It's not powered by an elephant. It's powered by a diesel engine. But they had elephants. They had horses, <laughs> mules, <laughs> asses. What else? Camels. <laughs> they had camels. So today, all these people say, well, how'd they build the pyramids? This is impossible. They go, oh no, they had slave labor. They didn't. They weren't slaves. <laughs> these people loved their leaders, right? They loved the king. Because when you had a good king, and he was taking care of things nicely, everything was provided for. Your food, your life, your sustenance, your spirituality, everything was covered by a great ruler. Will take, will just by the force of that person's spirituality, everything is taken care of. So it's natural. The people naturally wanted to build the pyramids. Prabhupada said that the pyramids were built for Yudhisthira's coronation. They were built for Yudhisthira. So, um, Yudhisthira is that kind of a leader that could you know, inspire the, 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 the people of the world to do this. And it wasn't, it wasn't impossible and it didn't, you know, it didn't require space aliens, right? They can't build it today. They couldn't build the pyramids today if they wanted to, right? 
they'd have to have trucks and all these things. It would cost trillions of dollars, right, just to build one. But they did it because the love of the of the followers of the of the citizens for Eudistir. Then we hear in the verse um, that this child, Perixit, Emperor Perixit, he's going to be, he's going to have the equanimity of Eudistir and Brahma. And he's going to be as munificent as the Lord of the Kailash Hill, Lord Shiva. Lord Shiva is easily pleased and he's easily angered, right? So, Lord Shiva, do you know where Lord Shiva lives? Kailash. Kailash. Mount Kailash. Is there a Mount Kailash on, on the earth? Yeah. Has anyone seen Mount Kailash? It's a giant Shiva lingam. It's beautiful. It's amazing. Amazing. And it's one of the only large peaks in that area of the world. Never been climbed. <laughs> the Savites won't let anyone climb that mountain. And if they, anyone that's tried to, they don't come back, right? Lord Shiva says, okay, you're mine now. <laughs> Who knows? But it's, it's a, it's, it's so sacred that everybody's there protecting, you know, you can go around it. You can trek around Mount Kailash. But this is how we understand someone who is the Supreme Personality of God, a Christian is the Supreme Personality of God. He's completely spiritual. So how can he be involved in the material world? Right? That This is how we understand it, through Lord Shiva. Lord Shiva is this agent, the, the, the male. The material energy is female. And the way the universe is created, it's, it's so amazing how Krishna manifests the demigods, manifests the different plenary expansions of himself. And so Lord Shiva is very, very wonderful uh, demigod because he gives to everyone very freely. And he hangs out with who? Who are Shiva's friends? Ghosts, <laughs> demons, spirits, ugly, ugly, horrible creatures, right? And Lord Shiva is so munificent, he gives them mercy, right? He gives them benefit. He doesn't say, oh, get away, you know. Lord, where does Lord Shiva live? Under a tree. <laughs> he doesn't even want a big palace. He lives for the duration of the universe. He, he could, he could live in a palace. He just said, I, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna be here forever. I don't even need a palace. He sits under a tree. And his wife, is the goddess of fortune, right? She's, she's, she's Parvati. She's, she's not the goddess of fortune, but she's the material energy. She's the goddess of fortune's form as the material energy itself, right? That's his wife. <laughs> he could have anything he wanted. Lord Shiva, all he wants is sit and chant and think of Krishna. Think of Lord Vishnu. And he gets in trouble, right? Does everybody know the story? Prabhupada mentions the Vikrasura story. Isn't that horrible? Some demon wanted the power that if he touched anyone, they would die instantly, right? Horrible, horrible. And so the demon turned it on its head and went after Lord Shiva. Said, I want to touch Lord Shiva. Said, let's see if this works. And how did, how did Lord Vishnu fool him? He said, oh, do you really believe that? <laughs> you really believe that, it, that, that Lord, he said, Lord Shiva's getting older. <laughs> you know, he, he, he doesn't have that kind of power. Said, no way, no way. Try it on yourself and see first. So the demon touched his own head. Done. <laughs> Krishna, Lord Vishnu, cheated him. He fooled him and he destroyed the demon to protect who? 
his devotee. Lord Shiva is the Lord's devotee. Lord Shiva is Param Vaishnava. He's the topmost Vaishnava. And even he, sometimes, he has to call out for help. He needs help of Krishna. So Krishna comes and helps him. So the same is going to be true for us. If we need Krishna's help, he'll be there for us. So in your heart, ask for the things that you need, but understand that Krishna uh, will take care of us. And if there's... there's uh, it, it's these examples are here for us. The last example Prabhupada gives is uh, he will be the resort. Perksit will be the resort of everyone. What does that mean? The resort of everyone it means he will be the shelter of everyone, just like he's the shelter of the goddess of fortune. Wow, Narayan, Vishnu is the shelter of the goddess of fortune, and just in the same way that everyone can take shelter of Lord Narayan, everyone will be able to take shelter of Pariksit, the emperor of the whole world. And when you take shelter of, the, of, the, of a leader who is this wonderful, who's Krishna conscious, who's pure, fully Krishna conscious from birth, everything good will come and everything you need will be taken care of. And you don't have to do it separately and try to go get it on your own, Right? You just have to follow the instructions. Follow the instructions of the, of the spiritual masters. And you can understand who is Krishna fully in your heart. It, it's, it's, it's not hard to chant Hare Krishna or to follow the principles. But it is hard to get free of the desire. The attachment that we have to the material world is very strong. But we have to become detached from material sense enjoyment and become attached to Krishna, to the service of Krishna, to chanting His names, to following the principles, to serving the devotees. I was thinking of this today that um, sometimes we think, well, my guru's not here, like if we've been initiated, right? Say, I want my guru here because I want to serve him. That's when I felt enlivened, right? Like with Srila Prabhupada, not every, most of the Prabhupada disciples didn't even get to serve Prabhupada personally, right? I was lucky. My, my Guru Maharaj is Tamal Krishna Goswami. And I had some time to serve him personally. And so I was very fired up then, you know? And now I sometimes think, oh, um, I, I, I miss my Guru Maharaj so much. I wish he was here. I could serve his form. I'd be more fired up. But then I realized that he's gone for a reason. And the reason is to teach me to serve others or, and to take, take pleasure in serving all of the devotees the way I served him. You know what I mean? That it's not something that I just only serve one person. My spirit, my initiating spiritual master. No, you have many spiritual masters. You have Diksha Guru, you have Shiksha Guru. You can have unlimited instructing spiritual masters and all of them are worthy of the same kind of service that we would give to our initiating spiritual master. And if we if we interact with the whole world that way, if we see everyone as somebody we should serve, that we should give our uh, try really hard to either serve if they're more advanced than us, or to give Krishna to if they're if they need to know about Krishna. And if we look at things like that then we won't miss our spiritual master. We'll realize that what it is to be attached to is his instructions. 
And if we need to uh, hear his voice, we have tapes. I have tapes of my Guru Maharaj. If we need to hear Prabhupada speaking, we have so many tapes and classes of Prabhupada. What, what other movement has this? What other religion has this? No one. No one has it. No one has the books that where Prabhupada himself gives us his purports. So, we, we, we've got to take shelter of Krishna and take shelter of his devotees and take shelter of the spiritual master. And Perksit was, was just such a person that everyone could take shelter of. And if they did, they would be protected. They would live under his, his rule in a peaceful way. Why? So they could just all be peaceful and have a good time and have parties, go to movies? No. They would be peaceful so that they could pursue Krishna consciousness, so they could pursue spiritual understanding. So, we're going to read some more about Pariksit Maharaj. And so there are some comments, and I'm just just under the time period. So thank you all very much for being here. It's very nice when someone's here to talk to. And we're so glad you came from Arkansas, and we hope you come again soon. And I hope that maybe COVID will be over soon, and you can come back, and we don't have to wear masks and all this stuff. Any comments or questions? Thank you. Thank you. It's very nice for you all to be here. Srimad Bhagavatam Ki. Srila Prabhupada Ki.